Hi, everybody. This is Jason Hodel, and I'm with Rod Wainwright. We're both from Cherry Beckert. I am a supply chain consultant to Cherry Beckert. Most recently, I was the CFO, then COO, and then CEO of Skull Candy, a big headphone brand making about 20 million headphones a year, shipping globally. And last year, we won Walmart Consumer Electronics Supplier of the Year. And a big part of winning that award was having a solid supply chain. And we had to deal with a lot of these challenges coming out of Asia, the increased freight costs, all these issues that are in the news. We felt it and we had to work through it. So Ron and I have been talking to lots of clients about opportunities to improve the supply chain, but also to do it smartly so that a lot of your costs get paid for by these very lucrative tax credits that are now federal law. So today we're going to focus on the domestic content subprovisions within the tax credits that are available. And as a reminder, we've published several thought leadership pieces, both articles and case studies and webinars on the Cherry Beckert website if you want more information and want to dig in a little bit. So why don't we kick it off here, Ron, and how about if you give us some high-level background on energy tax credits in the IRA, please? Thanks, Jason. Uh, so my name is Ron Wainwright, and I lead our energy practice for Cherry Beckert. And hopefully all of our listeners are aware of a major piece of tax legislation that was actually passed August 16th of 2022, and is referred to as the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Uh, we'll be talking today about some key provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act, but the takeaway should be that a significant expansion of the tax credits available for the production of clean energy or for the installation of property used to generate clean energy occurred with respect to the Inflation Reduction Act. Specifically today, we're going to talk about a recent notice, which is referred to as boosting clean energy credits for domestic content in new facilities. And specifically, we're going to talk about four specific credits. We're going to talk about Section 45, which is the electricity produced from certain renewable sources credit. We're going to talk about Section 45Y, which is around clean electricity production credit. Talk about Section 48, which is really the energy property or the investment tax credit. And then finally, we're going to round out our discussions with the clean electricity investment credit uh, under Section 48E. So those, uh, along with a number of provisions, uh, were expanded in the Inflation Reduction Act for the benefit of taxpayers so that they can utilize and ultimately monetize the clean energy tax credits. So, Ron, we put out a thought piece, and part of it was a case study that seemed too good to be true. You had a manufacturer that ultimately could get 50, 60, 70 percent of their investment in a new sustainable strategy using solar. They could get this back as tax credits that are transferable in a very short period of time. It just seemed too good to be true. So what are some of the new credits, but more importantly, the bonus credits, the bonus tiers that can really help a client, you know, maximize their tax credits on the back end? So what we saw underneath the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 was really a 
paradigm shift when we think about sustainability and green energy and, and clean energy. And what I mean by that is that underneath the Inflation Reduction Act, which took effect January 1 of 23, there are what are referred to as base credits. And then to the extent that the taxpayer specifically uses U.S. domestic content in their facilities, they get an additional bonus credit of 10%. So in our case study, as an example, uh, we saw a base credit of 30% in solar, and then we saw they used domestic content, which gave them another 10%. And then they also happened to be in what's defined as an energy community, which gave them another 10%. So instead of the credit being at a base of 30, it moved to 50%. And then there's other opportunities if you are investing or placing an asset in what's referred to as a, a low-income credit area, which is about prevailing wage, there would be another 20% credit. So in our case study, we saw that through these credits and bonus credits, that a taxpayer actually could earn up to 70% attributable to an investment tax credit or a Section 48 credit. And, and again, today we're going to talk about some recent guidance that the IRS just gave us in regards to the domestic content credit. So as a reminder, these credits we're talking about, these are dollar for dollar reductions in your ultimate tax liability. So whenever we're talking about 30 or 40 or 50 percent tax credits back, that's 30, 40 or 50 percent of the original capital expenditure. So a direct return of capital back to the firm that made the investment that powered the sustainable uh, strategy. OK, so, Ron, one of the interesting um, bonuses is if you do qualify um, under domestic content. Why don't you help our listeners understand what that means and the different flavors of domestic content they have to be thoughtful for on the front end when they're planning to qualify on the back end, please? Yeah, it's a great question, Jason. Um, and part of this podcast is in respect of a recent pronouncement of the IRS that came out on May 12th of, of 2023, specifically outlining um, in what's called Notice 2023-38. And, and what this notice does is it provides us information and guidance on what, as Jason referred to, as the domestic content requirements for taxpayers to qualify for the additional bonus amounts of certain energy credits and incentives, which are related to the investments in and production of clean energy. And as I highlighted in the earlier question, there's really four uh, that we want to make sure that we're talking about today that, that qualify for this domestic content bonus amount. And so when we think about how the bonus credit incentive is discussed in the notice, um, and I would encourage our, our readers or our listeners uh, to uh, read notice 2023-38, because it really does give us the initial guidance and there will be subsequent guidance around what does it mean for domestic content, uh, which are to be included in facilities and equipment used to produce clean energy. And what are those rules and how do we satisfy those rules with respect to qualified facilities for and if the taxpayer certifies? So when you think about domestic content, it, it's also steel or iron construction materials 
that are a structural component of a qualified facility um, that were mined or produced in the United States. Um, it talks about a 40% of total cost of the manufactured products and equipment that are components of this qualified energy production facility that again are mined, produced, or manufactured in the United States. Um, it also talks about offshore wind facilities that began construction or will begin uh, construction after 2026 that require domestic content. And ultimately the 40% does increase to, to 55%. Um, so when you think about the Inflation Reduction Act, and the expansion of the credits. One of the tax policies is about making sure that specifically industrial type manufacturing facilities come back to the United States, whether that's an onshoring activity or a nearshoring activity. And so one of the keys, again, is this bonus of clean energy uh, for domestic content and new facilities. So let's talk a little bit about the increase in the credit amount for domestic content. I already kind of highlighted to you that it's about steel or iron construction and materials that are structural components of the qualified facility. And then looking at the total cost of the manufactured products and equipments that are components of the qualified energy production facility, and they have to be mined, produced, or manufactured in the U.S. And so what you see is really a tax policy statement underneath the Inflation Reduction Act to drive the manufacturing of underlying components and materials um, back to the United States, i.e. this additional 10% increase in the amounts of what are referred to as the base credit. And so when we think about the energy credits, and I mentioned section 45, which is the electricity produced from certain renewable sources, and section 45Y, when we talk about clean electricity production credit, a taxpayer can earn up to and really 10% increase amount in the base credit. And so we see this as a significant driver and opportunity in regards to making sure that you're qualifying for that additional 10%. When you think about other credits, as I mentioned around section 48 or the energy credit, section 48E as it's referred to around the clean electricity investment credit, you know, we're talking about again, an increase of 10% in the base credit if a couple things happen. So when we talk about an energy credit, we're talking about the net output is less than one megawatt. Or if the facility was constructed or started before January 29th or 2023, and or if a prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirement met. And we have a thought leadership piece as well as a podcast out, podcast out there on prevailing wage and apprenticeship. But then when you look at the clean electricity investment credit, there's actually an increase of about two percentage points above the base credit. And so these are very critical pieces to understand as a taxpayer wants to totally utilize and then ultimately monetize the credit based upon their CapEx spend. And so notice 2023-38 also gives us some safe harbor regarding the classification of certain components in representing the type of qualified facilities or energy projects or energy storage technologies. And so it's very important to understand this notice because ultimately claiming this domestic content bonus credit will require that a taxpayer certify 
Now, how will they certify? They will certify by using an independent party, hopefully Cherry Beckert. But that certification ultimately of the additional 10 percent is going to be needed and required because you will be completing what's referred to as the Form 8835 or what's referred to as the electricity production credit and is ultimately filed in the year in which the credit is taken. And so there's very specific information requirements that have to be included in a energy project or a facility and the type of energy technology that's being used around the bonus credits amount and ultimately will be signed by a statement from the taxpayer. So that's why the taxpayer will want to use an independent third party, hopefully Cherry Becker, in regards to claiming the bonus credits as we talk about the domestic content in new facilities. So a lot of information there and a very straightforward question. Thank you for that, Jason. But the point of the podcast is to make sure you're aware that this is the initial guidance, notice 2023-38, in regards to how you can, one, achieve and then claim and then ultimately monetize that additional 10% credit when we're talking about the energy credits. So at a very high level now, what we're talking about, you've gone through the 30% base tax credit, and then we have these bonuses, and we've mentioned three big ones. We've already published the podcast on prevailing wage and apprenticeship, which can be very lucrative. And then you have these other 10% bonus threshold, one for domestic content, which we talked about today, and another one if you're set up in an approved energy community for, for another 10%. So these bonuses really start to add up you can get a lot of your capital back in a relatively short period of time. And then Ron, just for our listeners, does the CFO still get to depreciate the full cost of their CapEx as well and get those tax benefits? So an excellent point, Jason. And so, yes, um, not only on top of the base energy credits and then the bonus credits, again, the 10% for domestic content, and we've mentioned the energy community credit, et cetera, the taxpayer around their CapEx expenditure is eligible to depreciate the asset. And then that asset, usually having a life less than 20 years, is eligible for bonus depreciation, or at least for 2023, that would be at an 80% level. But yes, they will fully expense likely uh, the CapEx expense over a five-year period, but with the bonus depreciation at 80 and 60 uh, percent, 60 percent in 2024, they're writing off the majority of their CapEx for, quote, tax benefit purposes. And one thing to keep in mind around the bonus credits is in the event that the taxpayer doesn't have the tax capacity, i.e. to utilize and monetize, we have an upcoming podcast in regards to the transferability provisions, which again, the Internal Revenue Service just gave us some initial guidance in the last three weeks. And so that podcast is uh, coming up, but I'll leave you with a little bit of a teaser. So there was a paradigm shift that occurred in the Inflation Reduction Act around credits and bonus credits specifically, as we're talking here today, where if I don't have the tax capacity to utilize the credit, even though I can carry it back three years and forward 20 plus years, then I can sell the credit. And then I sell the credit, the base credit and the bonus credit, 
as a taxpayer in India, I don't recognize any income tax consequences. So we're going to talk a lot more about that when we think about the transferability provisions that the Internal Revenue Service gave the initial guidance. So taking it right back up to the very high level, the CFO level, all of a sudden the CFO has some tools where they can get free capital back from the government, 30, 40, 50% of that capital back using the tools that Ron just talked about. Then the CFO can accelerate the depreciation on those same assets and garner a lot of capital back as well in the form of depreciation tax shields. Thirdly, they get the energy savings for as long as the solar array is working, which can be material power savings in the income statement. And if all that's not good enough, now they have a great carbon neutrality story for the capital markets, which a lot of our CFOs are under pressure to deliver. So a really nice win-win that, we're, that Ron's creating here with his team. So Ron, what do the clients, what should they think about when they're trying to choose their strategic energy tax credit provider and, and how does Cherry Becker do this? So great question, Jason. And so all of this information is really coming out very fast, very furiously. So ultimately, when we think about our CP process, what we do to assist not only our non-clients, but our clients is we have a very simple process. We call it assess, identify, and quantify. And so we will complementary assess the energy bonus credits and credits, as well as deductions, rebates, and exemptions, as well as various type of grants and loan programs that came within the Inflation Reduction Act. So will we assess and we will identify all those opportunities? So ultimately, you're going to want to select a firm that can you can rely on with respect that has the experience and the professionals with energy experience. One of our value differentiators around our CB process, again, is we keep it simple and we assess, we identify, and then we assist in quantifying, and then ultimately executing to ensure you are maximizing the bonus credits. But we have engineers on our team, uh, so electrical engineers, uh, civil engineers, where we have real world experience on the engineering side that then matches up to the technical tax side. All of these engineers are CPAs, so we get the best of both worlds from an accounting experience perspective. There are a lot of new requirements that you must ultimately be knowledgeable of so you can qualify for the maximum amount of credit. And there are many rules around how do I go about documenting the ultimate requirements so that I am maximizing those bonus credits. And we as a firm have that simple and straightforward process. Most importantly, we have the experience within our team uh, having been involved in this area for the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, so we feel like at least Jerry Beckert, we hope this podcast has been helpful. We hope it has highlighted for you some areas that you need to consider. Um, and we hope that our qualifications can ultimately assist you in maximizing the bonus credits. So thanks for listening today, everybody. And Tune in next time for the next podcast when we get into more details on some of the other bonus thresholds and requirements. Thank you. Thank you.